Well, good morning. Well, last week we were reading in Mark chapter 6, and we talked about how the situation with the coronavirus and quarantine and staying inside, it's causing us to look at even ordinary things in life through a new lens. And what we talked about last week was was just bread, even things as ordinary as bread we look at in kind of a different light, and we looked at it through you know, the lens of Jesus as the shepherd. He's shepherding his people, and he's providing bread for his people. He's shepherding his people in the wilderness. And today we're going to look at another similar just everyday practice, and that is the practice of washing your hands. We, we're going to learn this week, we're going to learn today that we have something in common, quite a bit in common with the Pharisees. And we'll read in our passage that they had a sort of obsession with washing their hands and with cleanliness. And we have today that same kind of obsession granted for different reasons, for different purposes. But we are also obsessed with, you know, hygiene and cleanliness now. I, I remember, especially early on, I saw all these you know, instructional videos. Here's how you wash your hands for 20 seconds. Here's some songs that you can sing to make sure you wash your hands for 20 seconds. Um, here's a chart. You know, this is how you get every aspect of your hand. So there's different charts on washing hands. And we, we've actually moved beyond just washing hands. I mean, I uh, watched a video, I shared a video on how to wash your groceries and and take care of your groceries. Uh, So we just have this new kind of obsession. And in our passage today, we'll we'll be looking at the Pharisees, their interest in hand washing, and they're challenging Jesus. Hey, why why aren't some of your disciples washing their hands? You see, uh, we, we really, we care right now uh, that we that we guard ourselves against some impurity from the outside, this invisible contagion. We we don't know uh, a whole lot about it necessarily, and we can't see it, but we know that this invisible contagion exists. It's going to defile us if we let it, and so we have to guard ourselves. And the way that we guard ourselves is against these ritual practices, following these rules, following these guidelines, and and in doing so, we hope to keep ourselves pure in a sense. And the Pharisees had that same kind of concern. What, what kind of purity? Their tie is a little bit different, admittedly, but but again, we can kind of read this passage through a different lens. So, so the text today is really about how to get clean, in a sense, but more than that, on what makes us dirty, or the word here is defiled. What are there contagions, moral contagions, that can defile us? And, and Jesus is going to engage in this conversation, and and we can sort of view this thing through the lens of, of germ, or, or that might be the way we're tempted to do it. But, but we want to see, you know, what, how, does Jesus, how does Jesus look at these questions? What, what about moral defilement? How does that work when we're talking about that scope of, of defilement, right? So that's where we're going to be. Let's pray, and then we'll read Mark chapter 7 today, and we'll talk about cleanness. God... We ask you today to give us insight into this passage. Lord, help us to to see how to be clean, not just in a physical sense, but in a a moral sense, in in how do we look to you before your eyes? How can we be pure and holy? How can we be righteous? We ask that you give us insight 
this morning in Jesus' name, amen. Let's begin by reading the passage. Mark chapter 7 says, The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. Now, our first point is this, and that is in terms of the story, and that is that the Pharisees, they challenge Jesus on following the traditions. They challenge Jesus on following the traditions of the elders. We just start off with conflict. This is common in Mark. There's conflict between the religious leaders and Jesus in regards to what his disciples are doing or not doing. In this case, what is their concern? They see Jesus' disciples, and they see that they're not washing their hands. They're eating food, but they're not washing their hands first. Now, my wife sees me eating. You know, I come in, I'm working in the yard, and, and I come inside, and I, and I want to grab some food, and I haven't washed my hands. My wife get, might get on me about that, too. She might say, hey, why aren't you washing your hands? You should be you should be washing your hands before you eat. She's got a concern about physical cleanliness. And that's a legitimate, good concern, absolutely. But that's not what the Pharisees are really talking about. They're not concerned about germ theory. Instead, what they're concerned about is defilement, or the opposite of which is, is holiness being set apart. I think the let's let's try to give them as much benefit of the doubt as we can off the top. What what would be their reason for being so concerned about, if they're not concerned about physical cleanliness, what's their concern about not washing their hands if they're concerned about this kind of sense of holiness? Well, I think the best way we could state the argument is this. They'd say, all right, God has set apart his people. God has set apart his people as holy. We are supposed to be different. We're supposed to be set apart. And, and check this out, if you take a look at what's prescribed for the priests, the priests are supposed to wash their hands. They're so, they go through a ceremonial cleansing before they eat their meal. And so the priests are set apart. And you know what? We in Israel, we're all basically priests. We're all the set apart people of God. In that sense, they had a the Pharisees had a sense of the priesthood of all believers, or priesthood in this case of all Israelites at least. And so we are all supposed to be set apart too. So we need to follow the same rules that the priests do. We should follow the same rules as the priests. And in doing so, we show that we are set apart. More than that, we can turn a, a common meal, just an ordinary meal, and by washing our hands and by washing the pots and the kettles that it talks about, we can actually take this normal meal and set apart even a normal meal as something special special for God, right? We're supposed to be holy. This is one way that we do that. With the, the, the practice, the ritual of washing our hands sets us apart and makes us pure, and it, it, it sets apart even the meal. And if we don't do that, if we don't do that, then what's the danger? The opposite of holiness or being set apart is common, and, it, and a synonym for common is defilement. Listen, maybe it's, you know, the nations, they're, they're the common people. It's okay if they maybe do this, but we're the set-apart people. 
as the people that are set apart, for us to do this, we are defiling ourselves. We are making ourselves common. We are making ourselves unclean. You, you, you see the concern there. It's the same kind of concern that goes into eating with Gentiles, right? We, it's, it's like uncleanness. It's like defilement is an outside contagion that we need to protect ourselves against. So that's why the Pharisees look at the disciples and they say, those guys are supposed to be set apart and holy. They're acting in a way that is defiling. They're, they're just acting in a common way. And it's leading to this sort of moral impurity. Now, when the Pharisees challenge Jesus, it's not just about the hand washing. It's actually about something bigger. What they're concerned about really goes back to the tradition of the elders. When, when they challenge him, they say, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? You see, the, the washing of the hands was just one piece of a bigger set of laws, a bigger set of rituals, which all fell under this kind of oral tradition of the of the elders like this it's standard it was above and beyond the old testament it was just kind of the 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 sort of things you were supposed to do to really be holy right you didn't just follow torah you followed the tradition of the elders and that's really what the pharisees got upset about is that jesus disciples were not following this bigger tradition that was concerned about things like defilement now, and it's, again, in the best light that we can see this, we could say, you know what? The tradition of the elders was intended to be a fence around the law. So you got the law that we're definitely supposed to follow. And around that law, we put up a fence. And that fence protects us from disobeying the law. So it's not just don't disobey the law. It's don't even, if you, if you don't disobey the tradition of the elders, you're definitely not going to be disobeying the law. And so it's supposed to keep, in its best case, it's supposed to keep us from even coming close to disobeying God, uh, disobeying God's law. So this is what the Pharisees are concerned about. They're saying, "Listen, it it looks like you guys you guys are bringing defilement on yourselves by eating with unwashed hand. That is a breaking of the traditions of the elders. What are you doing? And specifically, not just to Jesus's disciples, but to Jesus himself, they challenge him. You are disregarding our traditions. So that's the first movement of the passage. Okay, let's keep reading. Let's keep reading. Verse 6 says, He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it is written, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. You have let go of the commandments of God and are holding on to human traditions. And he continued, you have a fine way of setting aside commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, Honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father and mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is Corban, that is, devoted to God, then you no longer let them do anything for their father or mother. Thus, you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and you do many other things like that. So the Pharisees challenge Jesus 
with regards to the traditions of the elders. And now Jesus comes back and he doesn't try to defend himself against their challenge. Instead, he challenges right, them right back and he challenges them in regard to their hypocrisy. He challenges the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. Look right off the bat, he says, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. And then he goes on to quote Isaiah chapter 29, verse 13, a prophecy against God's people in Jerusalem, against God's people in Jerusalem who who acknowledged God with their lips. There, there was an outward form. They said the right things. It was a form of religion. But th there was a difference between what was on the outside and what was in their hearts. He said, your hearts are far from me, and therefore your worship is in vain. You're not really interested in following my law, God is saying. You are more interested in following human rules, human traditions. You see how Jesus, and this is just a direct application of Isaiah 29, 29 13 to this situation. You see, we often think about how the we, we often think about the Pharisees in regards to um being too strict, right? And we might use the word legalism in a sense of uh, in the sense of that this person is just too strict. They they want to follow God's laws too strictly. They're really concerned about God's laws, but they're just they're just too serious about it, too strict about it, and they're too tight onto it. But that's not really what's going on here. Instead, it's not that the Pharisees are too strict. It's actually the opposite. It's actually that the Pharisees have chucked God's law. They've chucked God's law in order to follow their own traditions. The two are mutually exclusive. Notice the language of this. He says, you have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. The metaphor here is that, that what, what are they grasping? What are they using their hands to hold on to? And, and they're dropping. They're, they're dropping the ball on God's law. Why? They can only hold on to one thing at once. So they're dropping God's law so that they can use those hands to hold on to human traditions. Or another way to say it, he says, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. So in front of them, they've got, they've got the book of God's law. What's the picture? They're setting it aside. We're, we're just going to move that out of the way. Why? We got to move God's law out of the way so that we can bring in our own traditions. And then at the end, it says that they nullify the word of God through their traditions. The point is, it's not that, and we, we, we talked about at the beginning, that in the best case scenario, the traditions of elders, they were like an add-on offense. But as we'll see in the example that Jesus gives, uh, it's not always just as innocent, if you want to put it that way, as an add-on. It's actually a direct contradiction. It, it's that some of these traditions were in contradiction to God's law. It was an alternate set. They had to choose one or the other, and because their hearts were hard uh, and they were far away from God, their hearts were far from God, they chose their own traditions. Now, Jesus, that's a bold statement, so Jesus gives this example, and he gives this example in the tradition of something called Korban, Korban which is a translation, right, of band. It was, 
something that was banned. The, the idea was this. Basically, you would take something, you could take something, and you could say, I'm going to set it apart. I'm going to declare an oath that this piece of property, this amount of money, this item that I have is Corban. It's banned from common use. It is set apart for a unique purpose. Specifically, it's set apart for the temple. Now, that doesn't mean that they've given it to the temple at that point. It means that they plan to, at some point in the future, donate it to the temple. And so, therefore, in the meantime, it is not to be given away or used in some other thing, right? So, I got a house, and I'm going to set aside the house as Corban, which means that when I don't need this house anymore, I'm done. I could still live in the house even, but I can't sell the house or anything like that. I've got to. I'm going to get rid of it. I have to give it to the temple. Now, imagine this scenario then. Okay, we got a man, and he he sets something aside as Corban. He bans it from common use. But it's something that he could have used to help his parents. And so later, he changes his mind, and he says, you know what? My parents need this. They need this thing. And what Jesus is saying is, no, uh, What? sorry, what the Pharisees are saying through holding the tradition of Corban is they're saying, no, your oath, your oath, your setting aside takes precedent. It has to be given. You cannot, you cannot use that. You are not allowed to use that to help your parents. It has to go for the temple use. And Jesus' argument here is that when they did that, in making this contradiction or seeming contradiction between the oath and the and following God's commandments, following the commandment to love and honor, to honor your father and mother, what Jesus is saying is in doing that, they are violating God's law. They are directly violating the law to honor your father and your mother. And so their tradition of Corban is set up in contradiction to the God's law, right? So they have set aside honor your father and mother so that they can hold on to a man-made rule, a man-made tradition. And in doing that, they were violating God's law. Now, there might be something else going on here. And that is uh, that if you think about the religious caste who make their money off of the temple, that maybe there is a financial incentive for them to choose. If we got to choose between honor your father and your mother and Corbin, we're going to choose Corbin. So I think there's some of that maybe going on here. Maybe that plays into the hardness of their heart because they have an incentive, a personal well-being to hold up their tradition instead of the law. So Jesus is he's saying, no, listen, you guys are hypocritical. There's a difference between what's going on on the inside and what's going on on the outside. And we, we can see that because some of your traditions actually disregard God's law. So that was the second point is that Jesus challenges the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. Okay, let's read the rest of the passage. Verse 14. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. And after he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull? He asked. Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? 
for it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach, and then out of their body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. He went on, What comes out of a person is what defiles them, for it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. So the next point is this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Nothing outside a person is going to defile you. Nothing outside of you can defile you in that way. Again, what are we talking about? We're not talking about physical cleanliness. We're not talking about germs. We're talking about a moral purity. It's interesting, though, that we do use the language of moral purity to talk about food, right? We, we talk about you can do a dietary, you can do a food cleanse, and there's clean eating. <laughs> that's, that's, there's a religious language to that, right? Or when we talk about, you know, you can talk about you were, you were bad or good in response to your eating, right? I, I was bad because I ate the dessert, or I was really good. I was really morally upstanding because I had I had this salad, right? So we've got all this moral language around fooding about about around food about what we put into our body. And what Jesus is saying is he's saying it's not about the food that comes in. It's not about the food that comes in. It's not about defilement here uh, is is this ritual status moral sense and Jesus is saying that's it's the food doesn't play a part in that. It's not something outside that comes in. It's not the physical that makes us unpure. The physical just goes into the stomach. It doesn't go into the heart. It doesn't go into the moral side of things. It only goes into the stomach, and then it's expelled. Thanks, Jesus, for that. We 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 need to know that, okay? Right. But the point is, it's it's just it's there's a merely physical aspect to it. And, and in saying these, Jesus is declaring all, all foods clean. And um, I think that this is, this is Mark and Peter and the apostles looking back and saying, ah, now, now I see what Jesus was saying there. Once Peter has had that experience with uh, the sheet coming down with the animals and going to see Cornelius, all right, now he's putting the pieces together. Now they're, they're, it's clicking for him now once Mark is writing this. Okay, I get it. We get it now right? Now listen, it still matters what we eat because our bodies matter, right? Um, but, but it is not the food itself or it is not the unwashed hands and it is not the ritual that you go through that defiles us. Rather, the next point is this, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. Now Jesus is not talking about physical, what comes out in a physical substance. He's not talking about throw, throw up here, all right? No, he's saying it's what we do. It's what we do that defiles us. It's what we think and do. Look at the, look at the list. What does he say that defiles us? Um, it is evil thoughts, all right? It is sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, Folly. These are things that we think and that we do. It. These things come out of us, and that those are the things. It is our actions. 
It is our thoughts. It is our pride. These are the things that come out of us that really defile us. If we talk about moral rightness and wrongness, it's not about food. It's about the things that we do. And then the final thing comes out of that. What we do comes from the heart. What we do comes from the heart. You know, we are driven. Our actions, our thoughts, they are driven by the heart. Now, I don't just mean our emotions. I'm not talking about just our emotions here. Our heart is the Bible's word for the innermost portion of being. Their, their self, right? The core of their existence. It's not just it's not it, just emotions. It's not just our mindset. It's not just our values. It's Although all those things maybe play a part, right? But it's the innermost part of our being. You are driven by your hearts. If you take a look at your actions, if you take a look at your thoughts over the past week, if you take a look at the things that you have said in public or in private, or the things that you've done in public or in private, or the things that you've said or things that you've thought, all of those things, Jesus is saying, they come from your heart. And the food that you eat is not going to change your heart. It only goes into your stomach. That's what Jesus is talking about here. And so our heart is the innermost part of our being. And the problem is that our hearts themselves are defiled. Our hearts are defiled. And, and because the, the source is in us, then the results of that, the fruit of that, comes out of us and those are the things that defile us now the pharisees what were the pharisees worried about the pharisees were world that worried most about external defilement they thought that listen they maybe they have this mindset we ourselves are pure we're pure we're right we're good and, and what we need to do is we just need to protect ourselves from the impurity that is outside of us. We're healthy, and the way that we prevent ourselves from getting sick is that we set up boundaries and barriers from unclean food, from not washing our hands, from not eating with Gentiles, not associating with sinners, right? And if we, can, if we being pure, we, we can set, our, set these guards up around us will be okay. But what they had missed, first of all, was their hypocrisy. But secondly, they and, and the reason why they were they fell into the trap of hypocrisy is because they misdiagnosed the source of the contagion. They thought the contagion was outside of them and they could protect themselves with hand washing. But Jesus is saying, no, the contagion is not outside of you, it is within you. And it taints everything you think and say and do. And we have, when we think about something like the coronavirus, we have that same kind of a mindset. I am worried about a contagion that is outside of me. And that's correct. That's how germ theory, theory works. That In thinking about a coronavirus, COVID-19, that's how we're supposed to think about it. I'm healthy. I want to stay healthy. I'm not going to expose myself to a germ. That's how it works. The danger is when we take that same kind of a logic and we apply it to our moral selves. 
And, and when we do that, we think of, I'm fine in myself, and I just need to protect myself from other things. And so I'll, maybe there's rituals that I go through. Uh, maybe there's forms of religion. Or maybe there's associations I, I try to avoid so that I'm not contaminated from the outside. But the problem is in our hearts. And so this is a much deeper issue. We can't just say it's society that's making me evil, Right? I was a blank slate. There's a lot of sort of child psychology out there that says that, listen, everybody's born with a blank slate. Everybody's society messes you up. That's not the view of the Bible. In the view of the Bible, we all have that sickness of the heart within us. And it plays out in some terrible ways. And so what do we need? We need a new heart. We need to be cleansed from the inside. And, and there's two parts to that, right? Number one, we are cleansed when we accept the gift of salvation from Jesus, right? When we come to him in faith and we say, yes, I recognize this about my heart and I need you to clean me and forgive my sins. This is a, a common uh, metaphor in, in the scripture as... as um, Forgiveness as a cleansing, as a washing away of moral dirt, of moral filth. And, and the only way that can be removed is not through ritual, not through good deeds, right? That's just the fruit. That's just, that's just what comes out of the heart. What needs to be cleaned is the heart itself. And that can only happen through the forgiveness of Jesus bought by his death on the cross. But then, then we are positionally clean, right? Jesus, God looks at us as clean in Jesus. Amen? Once and for all, sacrifice for all my sins. Praise God. But then there is a continual renovation, renewal of the heart that goes on in the believer's life. And it comes through, in part, a regular confession of our sins, of saying, God, I'm sorry for what I have done wrong. And God uses that confession he uses that as a way to change and transform our hearts there's a lot of discussion you know i've heard a lot of discussion about hey you know what uh maybe there's a there's a judgment component to this coronavirus and i you know i don't know really one way or the other but but jesus said right what did that tower fall on the people because they were such terrible sinners and he, he says, no, they weren't. But unless you repent, you better watch out. It's going to be you. In other words, Jesus doesn't shy away from using that as an opportunity to call to repentance. And so whatever is going on in the mind of God with us, I don't know. But no matter what, there's a call to repentance, a call to cleanness, because this is not something we can do physical things to avoid the coronavirus and to stay healthy, and to be clean, right? And we can take care of our bodies. That's all good. We can do that. We can handle some of these things on a physical level, although the Lord knows the day of our death. We're not in charge of that, all right? But from a spiritual level, we cannot cleanse ourselves. We cannot wall ourselves off enough to keep ourselves from being morally defiled because the problem is in us. And we need someone from outside of us. We need God. We need Jesus. We need his death. We need his resurrection. And we need his continuing work in our lives. And so we just we always need to place ourselves in dependence of him. Receiving his gracious forgiveness through 
uh, through faith, but then also a daily walk to say, God, cleanse me. And you know what? There's, there's nobody that's beyond that cleansing. There's nobody that is beyond, no matter what you've done, no matter what you've thought, no matter what the state of your heart is today, Jesus can give you a new heart. He can give you a new heart, and he gives it freely, and he gives it graciously. So it's a call from Jesus, I think, to, to say, um, I forgive me, Jesus, and he does.